How badly do you want to go to heaven? You want to go to heaven more than anything else in the world? I'm sure that you do. That's why we're here. We want to go to heaven. Would you like for me to be able to give you one Bible verse that you could follow? That if you follow that one verse, then entering heaven would be assured? I think that'd be great. And in fact, I think I can do that for you. I believe there is a Bible verse that if you follow this one verse, everything else will just simply fall into place. Everything else will go as God has intended, and by God's grace, you will enter heaven. The verse that I'm talking about is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, the Scripture there says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. I don't want to oversimplify things or overstate the case, but I'm pretty well convinced at this time that if you and I were to live what Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 says, then we'd go to heaven. And so what I'd like for us to do this morning is take some time to look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Let's just break down the different things that it says here so that we can learn to follow this verse so that we can spend eternity in heaven. The very first thing that I want you to notice is that the Scripture says we must seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. When you consider this word seek, I want you to notice that this is an active word. It is not a passive word. And I want you to know exactly how active this word is by looking in Luke chapter 15 and verse 8. The same word translated seek in Matthew 6.33 is found in Luke chapter 15 and verse 8. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 8, the Scripture there says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Search carefully. That's the same word that's translated seek in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Some translations say she sought diligently. This is active. This is something that it takes work to accomplish. And we must actively seek God's kingdom and righteousness. Look back in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Jesus had already explained to these folks as they were listening to His sermon in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Who's going to be filled with God's righteousness? Those who hunger and those who thirst for it. That's how active we must be when it comes to God's righteousness. We need to be as that song that we just sang. It comes from Psalm 42 and verse 1. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Just as the deer pants for the water, our souls should long after God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Can you imagine this scenario? 
Your alarm didn't go off one morning, so you woke up late. You didn't get to have breakfast. You ran off to work. You're about to have lunch, and the boss comes running and says, there's an emergency. We need you over here. We've got to fix this problem. So lunch stays on the desk. You finally get home a little bit late, having resolved the emergency. You go home. You're about ready to try to eat some supper, and then you realize, oh, yeah, Junior had baseball practice. you got to get him out there. And Sally... Oh, well, she's at piano lessons. i got to go pick her up. And finally, you get home, and lo and behold, you forgot the exterminator was coming today. You left all the food in the cabinets. They sprayed all that stuff all over the food. You just said, oh, well, I wasn't that hungry anyway. I'm going to bed. I'll eat tomorrow. Is that what you would do? Of course not. What would you do? Aren't we all thankful for McDonald's? We would run to McDonald's. We'd find something to eat. Why? Because we're hungry. starving, and we're going to do whatever it takes to go find some food, right? When Jesus said we're supposed to seek after God's kingdom and righteousness, when he said that we should hunger and thirst for his righteousness, when the psalmist said, as the deer pants for the water, that is the kind of starving hunger and thirst that Jesus was talking about. I want God's kingdom and righteousness, and I am going to do whatever it takes to find it. I'm going to hunt it down. I'm going to chase it. I'm going to pursue it diligently. That's what God has asked for. There's three things that we can learn from that. Three things. If we have to seek God's kingdom and righteousness, that means we don't have it yet. There's not a point in our lives when we're able to say, I've got God's kingdom and righteousness. I can stop now. Everything's good. We've got to continue improving. We've got to continue growing. We've got to continue seeking. Secondly, we need to understand that if we want God's kingdom and righteousness, we have to look for it. This is going to be something that we do on purpose. It's not going to happen accidentally. We will not stumble across God's kingdom and righteousness the way we might stumble across a $20 bill somebody dropped on the ground. Thirdly, it takes work. It takes diligence. We do not fall into God's kingdom and righteousness the way we fall into bed at the end of a hard day. It's something we have to actively plan and pursue. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We have to seek God's kingdom and God's righteousness. What does that mean? What is it that we're actively seeking? What is it that we're pursuing and hunting down and chasing until we've grabbed a hold of it and made it our own? When Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 said that we should seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He was actually alluding back to something He'd already said. What I believe is the theme verse of the Sermon on the Mount. Look in Matthew 5 and verse 20. In Matthew 5 and verse 20, as Jesus was ending His introduction to this sermon, He concluded by saying in Matthew 5.20, For I say to you that unless you, your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. As Jesus was talking to these people, He knew that there was other righteousness that was competing for their attention. And He had already told them that your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of these Pharisees. 
Instead of seeking after the righteousness of the Pharisees and following after the kingdom that they want, we're supposed to seek God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and then ours will exceed the Pharisees. Jesus pointed that out. Because the Pharisees had a major problem when it came to kingdom and righteousness. The Pharisees, having misunderstood the Word of God, were looking for the wrong kind of kingdom. They were expecting a Messiah who would come into the world and who would defeat the Romans and would set up a kingdom in Jerusalem and He would rule over the territory of land. And because of that, they had a mistaken concept of righteousness, a very ritualistic outward appearance of righteousness that never affected their hearts. Look in Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew chapter 23, beginning at verse 23, Jesus described the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. He said in Matthew chapter 23, beginning at verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done, without leaving the others undone. Blind guys who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Verse 25, Where do you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Matthew 23, 27 goes on, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Here is the righteousness of the Pharisees. God's righteousness exceeds that. They were looking for this physical kingdom and had an outward appearance of righteousness. But what is God's kingdom and righteousness? I believe Jesus helps us understand what we're seeking when we seek the kingdom of God in Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 20. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 20, we find the Pharisees again and Jesus is speaking to them in Luke 17 and verse 20. It says, When he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, See here or see there. For the kingdom of God is within you. The Pharisees were looking for a kingdom that would rule over territory and land and nations and countries. But Jesus pointed out that God's kingdom does not rule over land. Rather, God's kingdom rules over the hearts of men. God's kingdom is within us. That's the territory. Our heart. And so when Jesus stood on trial, He said in John 18.36, My kingdom is not of this world. Because it's not like the kingdoms that we're used to. Divided up by states. Run by constitution. It's God's rule in our hearts. That's where God's territory is. 
And so when Jesus tells us that we must seek first the kingdom of God, what He is pointing out is that we need to seek God's rule in our lives. Who's on the throne in your life? Who's governing how you live? Who determines what choices you make day in and day out? Upon what basis is your life founded? Jesus said, seek first God's kingdom. He should rule in our lives. He should be the basis for our decisions day in, day out, all the time. But not only are we seeking God's kingdom, we're also seeking His righteousness. Notice what Paul said about righteousness in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9, Paul talks about God's righteousness. Paul was striving after that righteousness. Notice what he says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 9. Paul said that he wanted to be found in Him, that is in Christ. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That's the righteousness we're looking for. And Paul says that we have that righteousness which is from God by faith. Faith here is not some mental ascent. It's not some belief in a checklist. Oh yes, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Sure, I believe the Bible. I believe in all of that. It's not going through some checklist of things that we'll assent to. The faith that he's talking about here is an absolute, total surrender. The issue is not so much do we believe in God. The issue is do we actually believe God. We all here believe in God. Maybe with rare exceptions. Most of us, I think, believe that this is God's Word. How many of us actually believe what it says? That's where Paul says God's righteousness comes from. Surrendering ourselves to God's rule in our lives. Believing God that His way is best. And if He says this is the way a home should be run, then this is the way the home should be run. If He says this is the way a church should be run, then this is the way a church should be run. If He says this is the way I ought to behave with my friends and family and co-workers, then this is the way I ought to behave. If God says this is the way I'll be saved, then that's the way I'll be saved. Do I really believe Him when He says those things? When God says be angry and sin not, do I believe that? When God says that if I have a problem with my brother, I should go to him, do I believe that? Or in all these scenarios and circumstances, do I come up with reasons why what God has said doesn't really apply to my situation? When I have faith, then I'll do what God says surrendering my life to His will. Even if I don't understand why He has said, do it this way. I'll believe God, and so I'll do it God's way. What are we supposed to be seeking? God's kingdom. God's righteousness. There's one verse I think that 
demonstrates this concept so well, Galatians 2.20. Combining these ideas and bringing them together in one. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. It's no longer me living. It's Christ living. I do His will, what He wants. It's as though Jesus Himself are making, is making my decisions for me because I'm doing what He said. But now for the really challenging part. The most challenging part of this verse is not that Jesus said to seek. The most challenging part of this verse is not what Jesus told us to seek. The most challenging part of this verse is that Jesus said to do that first. Seek God's kingdom and righteousness first. Please understand that this is not strictly an issue of prioritization and time management. Jesus is not here saying, all right, first thing you do before you go anywhere else is you open up your Bible and you read it and you pray and now you can do all those other things now that you've sought the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He's not even telling you to get out your day planner and schedule in times to seek God's kingdom and righteousness before you schedule in all your other activities. What Jesus is saying is the overarching governing principle of everything you do every day, all the time, is to seek God's kingdom and righteousness. There should never be a time in our lives when we're doing anything but seeking God's kingdom and righteousness. That should control us whether we're working, whether at home with our family, whether we're with the church, whether we're studying our Bibles or praying, no matter what we're doing. At the same time, we should be seeking God's kingdom and righteousness. We should be allowing God to rule in our lives, having faith in Christ that His way is best. And whatever situation I'm in right now, I am going to go through it doing things God's way. Wherever I am. Allow me to give you one example. Look in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 38. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, Jesus, it says, happened as they went that he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And in Matthew 10, 40, Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Didn't Mary and Martha have the responsibility to be good hostesses? Didn't God's law have things to say about hospitality? Of course it did. But at this moment, what they needed to do in order to seek God's kingdom and God's righteousness was not worry themselves about making sure the towels were straight or the biscuits were cooking properly or the table was set adequately. What they needed to be doing was sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to Him explain 
explain the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And the text tells us that Mary focused on that one needed, important thing, and that would not be taken away from her. What does that say about what Martha did? Certainly, it was nice that she was concerned about being a good hostess for Jesus. But at this point, that wasn't what she would be doing. It wasn't what she should be doing. She should have been listening to the Master teach. When the Master was done teaching them, they should fulfill their hostess responsibilities. Then seeking God's kingdom and righteousness would mean be hospitable. But at this point, they should have been listening to Jesus. That is seeking God's kingdom and righteousness first. Do we do that? Look back in Matthew 6.33 and notice that in the context, Jesus is actually making a contrast. The statement to seek first God's kingdom and righteousness was not made in a vacuum. He actually says that contrasting it with what the Gentiles had done. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31, the Scripture there says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your Heavenly Father knows what, that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You see, the Gentiles are seeking after what shall I eat, what shall I drink, what shall I wear. He said, but you're not like the Gentiles. You don't be like them. You're not worried about seeking first what to eat and drink and wear. You seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and He'll provide these other things for you. Amazingly enough, when you think about what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear, aren't those life-sustaining issues? If I don't spend time worrying about what I eat, I could starve, I could die. But Jesus said, that's what Gentiles do. We seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You see, the Gentiles, as they're deciding how they're going to live, what they think about is sustaining their lives. Jesus said, as we decide how we're going to live, we need to think about eternity. And consider our soul's destiny and submit ourselves to God's rule and God's righteousness. Not seeking after the things like the Gentiles do. And you know what? They'll think we're weird. They'll think we're crazy. They won't understand why we're not so concerned about seeking after what's good for number one. And they'll give us all kinds of advice about seeking after what's good for ourselves. You know, the most important thing here is the bottom line. I tell you what you've got to seek first. is your emotional stability. You've got to look out for number one. That's what the world tells us. Jesus said no. We don't look out for number one. We don't seek our financial, emotional, or mental stability. What we seek first is God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and that's what matters. With every choice, no matter how great or how small, what did God say about it? Not what do I think is the wise approach. Now, there are lots of choices that we'll make. But there'll be several options that fulfill God's kingdom and righteousness. I'll give you one. It's a major one. What are you going to do for a living? Does everybody here have the same job? No, of course not. 
That means we recognize that I can seek God's kingdom and righteousness and yet have all kinds of different manner of jobs. Now, there are some jobs, obviously, that would not allow me to seek first God's kingdom and righteousness. But as I'm considering what I'm going to do for a living, I need to seek first God's kingdom and righteousness. When I do this job, can I serve the Lord? Can I act as God would have me to act? If not, I need to push it aside. But if I've got laid out before me several choices in which I can serve God, seeking first His kingdom and righteousness, then God doesn't care what choice I make about these jobs. I don't have to spend my time worrying about whether or not God has picked me to be a carpenter or a painter or a bricklayer. If I can seek first his kingdom and righteousness doing those things, he doesn't care which one I choose. And I can use all manner of other guides to make my decision after that. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 9. Notice what it says there. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 9, the Scripture says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart, and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. See what he says there? Do what you want. Enjoy yourself. Do what you'd like to do. Do what's fun for you. But remember, you're going to stand before God in judgment. What he's saying is seek first God's kingdom and righteousness in whatever you decide to do. And as I said earlier, I don't want to overstate or oversimplify. But I believe that this one principle answers most of the tough questions that we ask. You know those questions that we ask about crossing lines? When does what I do become covetousness or materialism? When is the shirt too short or the shirt too tight? When is it forsaking the assembling of ourselves together? can't draw a line, but I do know when you've crossed the line and when I've crossed the line. We've crossed the line when we're no longer making our decisions based on seeking first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, but on something else. Then it didn't matter what our choice was. We crossed the line. Jesus said, seek first. God's kingdom and righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Jesus said, God already knows what we need. He knows that we need all these things about food and clothing. If we seek first God's kingdom and righteousness, He'll provide those things for us. He'll take care of us. What an awesome God we serve. And we need to be content with His providence. Look in 1 Timothy 6.8. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 8, the Scripture there, Paul says, 1 Timothy 6, 8, he said, having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. We'll be content with what God gives us. Now, how many of us would be content if all we had was food and clothing? God will take care of us. And we need to be content with what He provides us when we seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew chapter 19, you know the story of the rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said, what have I got to do to inherit eternal life? 
Do you remember what Jesus told him to do? He said, go sell all you have. The and ruler wouldn't do it. And then Peter came up to him and said, look at all that we've given up. Look at what Jesus said in response in Matthew 19, 29. He says, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Seeking first God's kingdom and righteousness is going to mean some sacrifice. We may have to be separated from our family. They may not like what we're doing anymore. We may have to give up land and houses. We might have to give up our livelihood. We may not be able to have all the things that we've always wanted. But notice what it says. It says, you give those things up and you'll receive a hundredfold. When we come into the body of Christ, look at all those that we come into fellowship with. And how we can take care of one another. And he says we'll receive eternal life. Now that's important. God will provide for us. Do we believe that? Do we really believe that if I make my decisions today, not based on what my retirement account will look like, but based on how it seeks God's kingdom and righteousness, do I really believe that God will take care of me when I'm 65? or 75, or 85. Because that's what he promised. Seek first God's kingdom and righteousness. And please notice that this only works one way. The Scripture says that when I seek first God's kingdom and righteousness, He'll provide all these things for me. But if I seek after these other things, He will not provide me with His kingdom and His righteousness. And so I have to ask the same question that Jesus asked in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 26, Jesus asked, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will I give up heaven for? If I speak after other things, what I'm saying is, this is more valuable than my soul's eternity. What am I willing to give up my soul's eternal security for? Don't seek after those other things first. And if we look in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, we'll read on to verse 34 where Jesus said, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see, that's where most of the problems come. Look, we're all wearing clothes. We're not worried about what we have clothes to wear today, will we? We've got them. We've all got plans for lunch. We're not worried about what we're going to eat today. We've got that taken care of. But now tomorrow, next week, next year, ten years from now. Now that, see, now that causes us a little bit of work. How do we get to make sure to keep that little nest egg? Jesus said, don't spend your time worrying about that. Trust God. Look at what it says in Luke 12. In Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Luke 12, 16, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I'll do this. 
I'll pull down my barns and I'll build a great bigger one. And there I'll store all my crops and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You see, this rich man, he was pretty certain everything was going to be all right tomorrow. And he was certain that everything was going to be all right next year. And for many years to come, the problem is he didn't think far enough in advance. He only thought about years in this life. He didn't think about eternity. Jesus says we've got to think about eternity. Seek first God's kingdom and righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. You want to go to heaven? Submit to this verse, and you'll go to heaven. Would you pull out your songbooks, please?